Okay, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Shabbos, everybody. Good Shabbos. If you open up in your Chumashim, open up in your in your Bible to page 949. The learning this morning, the theme of this morning is do us a favor. theme this morning for our open up, our Aliyah, for those who are coming up this morning for an Aliyah is, and do us a favor. So, do us a favor. Chapter 32 of the book of Numbers, chapter 32 of Bamidbar, is a very strange story. Many of you know the story, but it still might be strange. Let's try to make it strange, too. Let's queer it and make it, right, as if we don't know the story and as if we need to come to it from a new angle. The story is essentially about two tribes, two of the ten tribes of the twelve tribes of Israel who come to Moses with a request at the end of the book of Numbers. Now just so you know, there are many authorities and many commentators who say that the end of the book of Numbers is not only the end of the fourth book of Torah, but the end of the Torah itself. Why do they say that? Because essentially there is a tradition that the fifth of the five books of Moses is basically a reiteration of things that happened before. It's a retelling of a story. It's maybe the first Midrash on the Bible is the fifth book of the five books of Moshe. It has its own qualities and it in some ways, in many ways, is distinct from the four books that come before it. It's not literally true that we're at the end of the Torah. Right? The end of the scroll will be the end of the book of Devarim, the end of the book of Deuteronomy. The end of the fourth book, the end of Bamidbar, is not the end. But in certain ways it is. And so it's really instructive, it's really powerfully telling the way the Torah wants to end the fourth and final book of Torah. Essentially, it tells two stories. One story, two stories. The story of the two tribes, Reuven and God, and later on, Chatzishevet Menashe, the half-tribe of Menashe, who come to Moses with a very dangerous request. What's the request? We have come to the Transjordan, to the area on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and behold, all of these areas of the Transjordan, eastern side of the Jordan River, are lush. They are furtive. They are full of grazing areas for cattle. They're cattle areas. And guess what they say to Moses? We've got cattle. A lot of cattle. This is our inheritance. We don't want to go in to the land. Why is that a dangerous request? In the book of Numbers, telling Moses that you don't want to go into the land is a surefire way of not only not going into the land, but not living through the desert. Right? The biggest sin of the Israelites in the book of Numbers is their insidious, their kind of this shocking lack of faith. Here we are about to go into land and the spies who were sent in bring back a bit of a pessimistic report and the people who hear it and complain don't enter the land. And here the two tribes, Reuven and God, come to Moses in chapter 32 of the book of Numbers and say, we also don't want to go into the land. Moshe reacts that way. Moshe says, wait a second, let me get this straight. I know this story. This is a story of your ancestors. Avotechem, your ancestors did this story. It didn't end well. Is that what you want? 
And they say to him, no, 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 I don't think you, you missed it. We said we are not afraid of the land. We just, this is where we belong. This is our inheritance, not that. And the language, if you read through, to the, you know, during the reading this morning, when Yiska will read and Rabbi Mir will read, read through, they are very strong. They don't ask Moses, can you do us a favor? By the end of the story, they're saying, no, 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 this is ours. But they, they respond to Moshe's deepest concern. His deepest concern is that they're afraid and they therefore don't want to enter the land and they won't fight with their brothers and sisters. They won't do their part to participate. And it's very hard not to read this story against another very well-known part of this story, which is, who is the ultimate member of the Israelite nation who wanted to go into the land but was not allowed to go into the land? Moses. I've read this story for 46 years, let's say, since I was, I don't know how old. It never dawned on me that the end of the book of Bamibar, the end of the Torah is people coming to Moshe and saying to him, we don't want the very thing that you want more than anything in the world. We don't want the very thing that you want more than anything in the world. And what is it like for a leader, for a parent, for a congregant, for a citizen, for a friend, to hear the very thing that keeps you up at night praying, in your room, is the thing that the person right next to you is not interested in, is rejecting. What's it like for a leader to read your story against their deepest fear, their deepest yearning, their deepest loss? Is it even possible for us, when we hear things like that, to respond in an objective, loving, compassionate? Can we see clearly at that moment? Because I'll tell you something, when Reuven and God, Reuven and God with these two tribes, when they come forward and they ask Moshe to stay on the other side of the Jordan, I don't hear their request in any way, shape, or form like the spies. They don't even begin that way. They're not afraid. They say, listen, let us preface this by saying, we have a lot of cattle and this is cattle area. That sounds pretty clear. You see, I'm supposed to be an actor. This is the best place to become an actor, an actress. I'm moving to New York to pursue my dream to become an actress. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's not... No, no, no. No, 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 no. Your dream is not my dream. Moshe brings so much we bring so much to how we listen to people's individuation, how we listen to people's furtive longings. We bring so much as leaders, as friends, as partners, as sons, as daughters, as children, as parents. When people stand before us, we have two tips of icebergs facing one another. Which one's depths will win? Which one's depths will be revealed? Love is not a victory march. Right? Another great line. I, all I ever learned from love is how to draw, how to out 
What is it that Allah ever learned from love is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you? It's like, hey, Moshe. Oh, no, no, you're being spies. You don't want to go to land? Wait a second. You must be afraid. Everybody wants to go into land. I mean, I want to go into the land. The land? It's my dream. No, no, it's not, it's not our dream. The Torah this morning invites us in the final moment of Torah to have a conversation about dreams. And so it's not surprising that the second story that I began with, the second story that the Torah will end with, is not about Reuven and God, but about the daughters of Slavchad, these five daughters who begged and then received a new Torah, a Torah that they themselves would inherit, and that they are all descendant of the great dreamer named Joseph. And the end of the book of Bamidbar, the end of the Torah will be Cain b'nei Yosef Dovrim, the children of Joseph, the children of the one who had dreams, but whose dreams were different than his 11 brothers' dreams. The one who was exiled because his dreams were not the right dreams. The Torah will end with the power of a leader to name and accommodate for difference within a community. That leaders and communities must make room for different dreams. Different yearnings, different longings, different inheritance, difference. And it ends with the powerful request of both these two tribes and the daughters of Slavchad. As if to say, says Rav Tzadik Akon of Lublin, the great, great Hasidic master of the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, the coin from Lublin said, the end of the Torah, the end of the written Torah is pointing towards the oral Torah. The end of the written Torah is flexible. It speaks to the application of Torah in every generation. Whenever someone comes forward and says, you didn't include me in there. Like, I don't read myself in that story. And the Torah says, okay, let's make room. Whether it's historically accurate or, you know, women. Rav Tzadik says, every human being, and in that sense, all of us, in some way, through feminism and other mechanisms are actually continuing the power of the oral Torah to make room and make room and make room for the daughters of Joseph and for Joseph himself and for the two tribes whose achuza, whose inheritance was not on the other side of the Jordan River. And Torah says, okay. It's a powerful lesson. I'd like to call forward for the first aliyah, our open, open aliyah, our open up to open up to this making a claim on an inheritance that might put you at odds with some system some assumption some tablets some written somewhere I should be I must be I have to be some expectation of normativity or conventions Michal Bitan is an amazing academic um, uh, who is a part of the Hartman Institute where I also am a fellow, we're fellows together uh, we're fellows and she spoke so powerfully this summer about gender and uh, Derek Eretz, what's considered to be uh, in the common parlance, Derek Eretz means being polite or decent, Derek Eretz and she gave it a beautiful lecture on how how various powers, whatever they might be, use Derek Eretz or being civilized or being polite in a colonialist way or an imperial way, meaning be the way that we are saying you should be. 
we, whoever we are, usually men in power, say this is the right way to be, and if you're different than this, then it's not minumas, it's not polite. You're not being civilized, right? That was, we, right, let's make everyone civil. The end of the Torah is saying that people have different needs and different ways and different souls and different karma and different gilgoglim and different charts and different genetics and different stories. And the Torah makes room for those stories. If you are willing to claim it. The Torah didn't give it on high until Reuven and God came forward and said, Hey, stop the show. The Torah is kind of moving. And Reuven and God said, Okay, time out. We want our achuzah over here. And the Torah says, oh, Okay, good. That's good. So this aliyah, this opening up, is to make a claim on something, an inheritance that only you can make a claim on, that only you know is yours and truly yours. And the power of the Torah to bless you with making that claim, knowing what you need, and having leaders and others say, okay, I hear you. That is indeed your inheritance. That is indeed where you belong. For that homecoming and for that open up, I invite those for whom this morning that speaks to you to come forward for the first Aliyah.